It's the end of 2012 in Dublin. A chill, gray day outside with Christmas just around the corner. And inside the Food Safety Authority of Ireland, the head of the agency, Alan Riley, asked one of his employees to run a test. It was coming up to the end of the year in 2012, and I asked one of my staff to go out and purchase the type of products that she would buy for her children. Uh, I'm randomly selecting whatever she wants to buy. That's what we went out to buy. The budget was tight this year, but the authority was using a sophisticated, expensive kind of DNA testing, a cutting-edge method to show whether there were any traces of other species in the patties labeled beef. And uh, she bought burgers because these are cheap and they can go in the freezer and so on. They're easy to cook, very convenient. He says they were in a hurry to get these tests done before the holidays, when everyone would be off on break. And then one day in December, after the samples have been sent off to a lab, he gets this email. I remember precisely where I was when I found out that we had the serious problem. It was a Friday evening. I was sitting in the office. I got a notification. It was a laboratory report from a laboratory in Germany. And that came in attached to an email. And when I read that and I saw the results, it confirmed the fact that we had a major problem on our hands. Major problem, to say the least. The samples from the supermarkets had patties with horse DNA. Yes, giddy-up, gallop, horse DNA. One patty had as much as 29% horse DNA. Professor Riley could hardly believe what he was seeing. He made a few calls. The first one to his chief scientist. Next, his communications director. Yeah, she had a hissy fish. So <laughs> and um, on the Monday morning when we did uh, inform ministers, I remember she came into my office with um, one of those sticky notes and she had written on it. The media know, RTE, which is the national TV station, want to do an interview. And at this stage, we didn't even have a press release prepared. So he's scrambling around trying to figure out how he was going to tell the country that millions of people had unknowingly eaten horse meat. And now you could say, well, maybe it was a mistake or inadvertent contamination if it was down around 1% or 0.1%, whatever. But 30% horse meat, that's not a mistake. That is deliberate. And that really started us on a wide investigation. I'm Alzo Slade, and this is Cheat, the show where we ask, is it ever okay to break the rules? This week a safety scandal as big as a Clydesdale. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, it's just after Christmas in the U.K. People are shuffling through the new year, you know, recovering from all those boozy holiday parties. And, of course, there's the holiday expenses. Bills, gifts under the tree, 
maybe a trip or two to see family. Money is tight. So when you're walking down the aisles of a grocery store and you see a deal, like six burger patties for just one pound, you're excited. A couple of packages will last you and your family at least a week. It sounds almost too good to be true. You go home, whip up a nice hamburger dinner and some condiments, and as everyone settles and begins digging in, you turn on the TV. And then, right there in front of your face on the 7 o'clock news, you see this. No artificial preservatives, flavors, or colors, but one sample of Tesco's everyday value beef burgers did contain 29% horse meat. The Food Standards Agency says the discovery of horse meat in a Finder's beef lasagna is appalling, but maintains there's no immediate health risk to the public. Horse meat has turned up in school dinners, hospital food, and one of the country's biggest pub and hotel chains. Lord have mercy. Horse meat in burgers labeled as beef. Millions of adulterated patties, just like the ones you bought, recalled from major grocery stores in Ireland and the UK. Soon, the scandal spreads throughout Europe. Beef products containing horse meat are found in France, Italy, Belgium, Germany, Spain, Sweden, and beyond. In some cases, food safety investigators find boxed lasagnas containing as much as 100% horse meat. Of course, the media jumps on the story. People are horrified. Here's some consumers in Norfolk, England, speaking to the local news, Norfolk Now. Horses shouldn't be in, in food, so how do horses end up in food? If you're going to sell horse meat, you need to write that you're selling horse meat. It must be dreadful for the people who realise that's what they've been eating. If you've eaten it and you like it, well, why complain about it? Now, to be clear, in some places like Belgium, Italy and France, it's common to eat horse meat. It's even a delicacy. And it wasn't only horse meat. 85% of the patties contained traces of pork as well. But in Ireland and the UK, it was the horse meat that touched the cultural nerve. And look, we're not about to claim that eating horse meat is any different from eating cow meat. But if your food is labeled one thing but contains something else, then that's a problem. We got to set the stage here. The UK is still reeling from the global recession. And things are pretty tough out there. Wages are low. There's been nationwide layoffs, high unemployment rates. And people were relying on food banks in order to feed their families, while at the same time, the public safety net was shrinking. Well, we're talking about the wake of the financial crash of 2008. In Britain, we're in the middle of austerity, where, um, you know, things, everything's being cut. This is Sheila Dillon a veteran food journalist from the UK who reported on this scandal for the BBC back in 2013. She says everyday people were under a lot of pressure. And when you're hurting, you look anywhere you can to cut costs, including, of course, what you eat. What it was found in was value burgers. And they were a pound, which at that point was about $1.50 for six of them. But it wasn't the kind of food that middle-class people would buy. At the government level, leaders throughout Europe have been tightening the purse strings for a while. Virtually every sector of local government in the UK was slashed to try to reduce budget deficits. Libraries, prisons, public housing, courts. Local authorities, which 
employ uh, food hygiene people called environmental health officers here. Um, their budgets have been cut by 50% from central government. So food safety becomes a very easy cut. You know, it's not cutting policemen or schools or roads. You know, like who notices that your food's being checked? So you, you've cut that. So that's, that was the bigger context. So the budgets were cut. And that meant it was harder to police food safety. And the folks that still had that job, they were overwhelmed. There was too much to keep an eye on. Think about how much food is processed on the daily and then how a 50% budget cut would radically cut back on that operation. But budget cuts alone aren't the reason you wind up with horse meat in your lasagna. To understand how all this went down, there are a few things we need to know about food supply chains. Let's pretend you're a cow. Yeah, just, just stick with me here. And as a cow, we're going out to pasture. Step two, you get sold to a processing plant where you're slaughtered. Okay, folks, don't act like you didn't see that one coming. But you're divided up into parts and processed transformed into something else like frozen dinners or minced meat. And step three, those processed foods get packaged and sold to retailers, big grocery stores like Tesco in the UK. So to recap, farm to processor to retailer. Those are the main three. That's the main three, yeah. And then there are a million complications, but yeah. Yeah, a beef patty full of horse meat Definitely sounds like one of those complications to me. A pretty big one, I'd say. It became clear that the problem went far, far beyond Ireland to all of Europe. Not only because mislabeled food was being sold all over Europe, but also because processors and retailers sourced their products from all over Europe. On the news, you saw all sorts of folks blaming each other. British politicians were blaming UK retailers. The retailers are ultimately responsible for the safety of food, and I have great confidence in the integrity of the British farming and food industry. Why? They've been lying to us. They've been selling us beef products. No. They've got horse in it. The UK retailers were blaming the foreign processors. Supermarkets are an easy target. They're visible, you can see us, but that blame is wrongly placed. British supermarkets are the best in the world at quality control. So it seems to me that this has come from one or two rogue backstreet abattoirs who have sold meat illegally. And the foreign processors were saying they'd done everything by the book. We comply with the law. And this episode has been very damaging to the business. I don't know how long it's going to take to recover. So wait a minute. If everybody did everything right, then how the hell did this happen? That's after the break. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, 
the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to True Spies, the podcast that takes you deep inside the greatest secret missions of all time. Suddenly out of the dark, it's appeared Bin Laden. You'll meet the people who live life undercover. What do they know? What are their skills? And what would you do in their position? Vengeance felt good. Seeing these people pay for what they'd done felt righteous. True Spies from Spyscape Studios, wherever you get your podcasts. In recent decades, the food supply industry has grown to gargantuan proportions, and a very small number of corporations have all the power. They can source their food from the cheapest option pretty much anywhere in the world at any time, which means the supply chain has gotten longer and longer and longer. We have this amazingly opaque global food chain, and actually nobody but the meat industry really knows what's going on. Even on a good day, it's near impossible to know exactly what's in any given hot dog or burger. A fish makes his way around the world two and a half times before reaching the consumer. There's no traceability. You're supposed to have this highly traceable food system. There is no traceability in it. You've got horse DNA. Where did that come from? Um, What were they given? Um, You don't know anything. I mean, that makes sense to me. You should be able to trace where your food comes from through some sort of documentation from the field to the fork. But obviously, if horse meat is ending up in food labeled as beef, we've got a traceability problem. And something was getting lost in the paper trail. Sheila says the closer you look at it, the more you realize that the food supply chain is hardly a chain at all more like a web of crisscrossing lines. And the more people try to find places to cut costs, the more entangled the web becomes. Which brings us back to 2012. In that moment of intense economic pressure, big supermarket retailers wanted to buy their processed meats at very cheap prices. And this is where the horse manure starts to hit the fan. So what happens is that a supermarket will put out a call for bids to make. Let's pretend it's, let's say it's burgers. All right, picture this. You got a supermarket executive in his suite, wearing a suit, gets on the phone and puts out a call. He says, Okay, we want to buy 50,000 burgers. The processor hears the price and goes, Man, you're crazy. That's impossible. There's no way we can meet that price without taking a loss. The cost of raising beef... It's too expensive. Then our executive dude is like, well, we're in a recession. Take it or leave it. But the meat processor is working with very limited options. So he puts out a call for trim. Trim can be what it sounds like, you know, bits of meat that trim from a carcass that's already had the cuts taken off. But it can also be chicken feathers, hide, There are many, many odd things that can be processed and um, used as filler because it's not required to be on the label. Legally, economy beef patties only have to contain 47% beef to be sold to the public. Mm, 
that in itself seems like it could be a cheat, but maybe we save that for another episode. So to continue, the other 53% of the patty can be made of cheap fillers like, say, water, fat, this trim, or proteins. So you've got this specification, can't be met, but they need the business because you've got four supermarkets dominating everything. So where else are you going to sell your stuff to? When the processors put out a call for cheap fillers, they're looking to meat suppliers all around Europe, the Netherlands, Spain, Poland. And so there's this cascade effect happening. Consumers, they can't afford meat. So the retailers set a low price to the processors. The processors can't meet the retailer's price without taking a loss, so they go to meat traders looking for something cheaper. Each time one player looks to another to find something cheaper means the chain of people trusting someone else to meet the specification grows longer and longer and longer. What then happens? You know, the legal responsibility is passed down the chain. And it's perfectly legal. You know, hydrolyzed protein is legal. It's legal to use water. It's legal to use trim. It's legal. You know, all those things are legal. But it means, you know, somebody's turning a blind eye. The question is, a blind eye to what exactly? Imagine for a second, you're a migrant worker in a meat-cutting plant in the Netherlands. You earn minimum wage and you're far from your family. You have about 25 roommates in cramped quarters, all workers at the same factory. And one day, your boss, the factory owner, he starts to ramp up production. After all the normal shifts are done, he tells you that there's more work to be done. A new shipment of meat has just come in. So you stay, well into your 13th hour of work. Except once you unpack this meat, everything about it is just wrong. Uh, why does it look green? It smells so bad, you and your co-workers have to work with towels over your face. This label says it's been frozen for 10 years. Frozen for 10 years? Working with towels over your face? Now you know something's up. You can connect the dots. This ain't beef. It's horse meat. Horse meat from who knows where. But you don't say anything. And neither do your co-workers. You're barely making ends meet as it is. And you've got too much to lose to cause any trouble. And if you aren't going to process it, somebody else will. And before long, the media has connected the dots too. 50,000 tons of beef have been recalled by the Dutch Food Safety Authority. It has been deemed unfit for human consumption and may contain horse meat. The Dutch authority has taken the precautionary steps as the origins of the meat were unclear and therefore its safety not guaranteed. On its own, horse meat is perfectly safe to eat. But in cases where it's being used secretly without documentation, is anyone's guess what chemicals or antibiotics they've ingested into these horses? And beyond this plant, other plants were using old racehorses bought from the U.S. and who knows where? Can you imagine eating an old, dusty racehorse? And it's common to give racehorses a type of anti-inflammatory drug that's carcinogenic to humans. You've no idea what state of health they're in after they've been picked up and carted around the United States to Mexico or Canada. You don't know how they were killed. 
that you know almost nothing about this meat. And how can you have a safe food system where you don't know anything about this stuff? That's the concern. Overnight, in February of 2013, all the workers were let go from that meat-cutting plant in the Netherlands. They were Polish migrants living on low wages, pretty much doing what they were told. The owner, a guy named Willie Selton, was eventually arrested for selling 300 tons of horse meat, labeled as beef, much of which was carted all around Europe. He was found guilty of forging documents and sentenced to two and a half years in jail. He said it was inadvertent, but the scale of of the mixing at his plant in the Netherlands was quite, it was quite substantial. So it's hard to believe that it was inadvertent in any way. Inadvertent? A mistake? All right, Willie, nice try. We can see your game. I just accidentally happened to have 300 tons of horse meat just floating around my factory. But to be clear, Selton's factory is just one small piece of this huge jigsaw puzzle. There have been some high-profile prosecutions in the UK and France. There were more plants, more processors, many more actors involved. This was a lot larger than anyone could have anticipated. And it raised the question, how could something like this be happening in so many places for so long? How many people had to turn a blind eye or be willing to cut a corner? What did this say about the meat processing industry as a whole? And if it's this hard to keep an eye on the whole process, what else could be infiltrating it to make a quick buck or two? What about possum burgers, lizard meat, raccoon dogs? And no offense to folks who may be eating that stuff already. But you understand, it's a slippery situation. Figuring out who's really at fault here. How do you assign blame when every cog in the machine plays a part? This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. As the horse meat scandal unfolded, the grocery chain Tesco broke its contract with the main processor where horse meat was found. In the years that followed, Professor Riley and his team have helped implement new legislation that requires more layers of certification about the source of food. It was the spark that has changed uh, the regulatory structure at European level, and, and certainly in different parts of the world, and certainly the, the industry has taken on board all the all food industries now to be uh, certified against private sector standards need to be certified. But the industry is still mostly self-regulated. And right now, as energy prices are skyrocketing in the UK, consumers are strained. People are literally having to choose between eating and heating. You know, if, if it's a cold winter, that's going to be really, really serious. Some experts are worried that the same financial pressures that motivated the 2012 crisis are happening all over again. 
I think that to some degree is, is true. Yes, we're in a situation now that if uh, prices of food are increasing, there's real opportunities there for criminals to, to get involved and, and to substitute you know, low-value products for high-value. High and more often than not, it, it doesn't come to light, essentially because it's not detected because people aren't looking. And if it doesn't cause a food safety problem, if people are not getting sick, uh, well, then it will just go under the radar. Still, Riley has confidence in the safeguards that have been implemented since the scandal. Tesco says it now DNA tests all of its meat. Their meat suppliers and other supermarkets have said the same. That's one thing that's come about, that the industry nearly is regulating itself. They saw what was going on back in 2013 and pre-2013, and they have, they have fixed the problem themselves. Sheila Dillon is less optimistic. But in terms of changing the way that the meat system is policed, I mean, it was, no, the, the, if anything, it's got weaker. And the circumstances which brought about, you know, which, which drove that scandal, you know, um, poverty, um, rising costs for farmers, the, the, how much beef actually costs, um, those things are, you know, I mean, we have a perfect storm of it now. It's much worse now than it was then in 2013. I would bet serious, serious money that horse meats in food now. I mean, let's be honest. None of us really likes to think about where our food comes from. Whether it's buying shrink-wrapped packages of chicken or fruit that's been flown across the world to your local supermarket. We probably don't want to think about it because in the back of our mind, we kind of know that something ain't right. We put a lot of trust into the people who grow and sell what we eat. And I think that's why even if the food is safe, the whole horse meat burger patty thing felt like such a violation to so many people. We assume our food doesn't lie to us. But even on the best days, a cheap patty is only 47% beef. Sounds to me like even the honest ones are still liars. And of course, there's a huge opaque system that serves just a small number of key power holders. A lot of people cheated. But in the end, who pays the price for all of this? It's the factory workers who got fired. And the millions of people who thought they were getting a bargain when they needed it the most. In order for this society to function, and for us to function within it, there's a certain level of trust we have to put in complete strangers. And sometimes this trust comes with higher stakes than others. These workers were forced to put their trust into the owners of this company, just as we're forced to put our trust in the food supply chain. And most of the folks buying this meat they were struggling economically. The workers were struggling economically. So ultimately, it's the people that are mostly without means that suffer for putting trust into people that don't have their best interest at heart. Hey folks, thanks for listening. Just a reminder to follow Cheat wherever you get it. 
And please do leave a rating and a review if you like what we're doing. It helps other people discover the show. And of course, we want more listeners. Also, if you want to listen to the show without the ads, you can subscribe to Cheat Plus. It's like cheap, but better. It's just $2.99 a month, or if you're in the UK, £2.49. And you get all of this without having to listen to those annoying commercials. Just go to Apple Podcasts and hit subscribe instead of follow. You can try it for free now. Next time on Cheat. Coco was hand-raised by humans and imprinted on Penny. I don't think there's anybody who would suggest that their relationship was anything other than mother and child. Cheat is presented by me, Alzo Slade. This episode was produced by Camila Kerwin. The executive producers are Lizzie Jacobs and Tom Koenig. The series editor is Megan Dietrich. The original idea for the show was developed by Tom Fuller. Assembly and scoring by Camila Kashani. Engineering and sound design by Martin Peralta at Output Media. Special thanks to Olivia Cope and the Sony Legal Team. Our production coordinators are Jennifer Mystery and Iker Egbatola.